Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like to read more about our community, join us at https colon slash slash org. Thank you for listening to our service, and God bless you. And, but we're really, really excited that you're here with us this morning. And um, our first reading is going to be Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah 60, 1 through 6. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you, Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant, and your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for... Um, this morning to, um, to be in your presence, to acknowledge um, who you are through worship, um, God, to rest in your light and your glory. And God, we pray um, as we enter into this time of worship um, this morning that we would think about um, who it is that you are, how much you love us, and how you provide for us um, in ways that are beyond our comprehension um, in ways that are beyond our understanding. And God, just help us this morning to, to rest in all it is um, that you do and provide for us. God, we love you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Psalm 72. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On tops of hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, it's good for us to be together today. Um, it's good to enjoy each other's company and to rejoice at the goodness that you have given your people. God, we remember that every good and perfect gift comes from your hand, and we praise you and thank you for these things. We thank you for the gifts that are obvious, and we, take, um, we thank you for gifts that take unexpected forms. May we, as your church, also be a gift reflecting your generosity and your justice. Um, and may we have eyes to see the places that need to be shared, or that you need to be shared. Um, we ask you, God, today to provide relief to those who are suffering. Um, we have so many that we pray for weekly. Um, we uh, pray for Rachel and for Zora as she recovers from her surgery, um, from those uh, dealing with the consequences of the earthquake in Japan. Um, we pray for those in cancer treatment, for Stephen, Leanne, Pam, Debbie, and Amy. We continue to remember Ray, Carolyn, Chuck, Stephen, and Mark. We thank you for the healing that you have provided to those um, among our number and those who are no longer on the sick list. We thank you for that. Um, and we ask you to bless the efforts of the missionaries, Jason and Emily, Lindsay, Hawathia, Byron, and Snazana. We thank you for the gifts that all these people uh, share with their communities. And we thank you for the biggest gift of all, your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 46.
Judah, I appreciate that cheer. I don't know if that was for me or for the end of the song, but either way, I appreciate it. Um, if you will stand with me, please, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and we'll read together as a congregation, verses 9 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he, this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem came with, uh, sorry, uh, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem came with him. When he had called together all of the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thank you. First of all, I just want to say thank you for being such a supportive congregation and letting novice preachers like me come and stand before you today. And um, I um, always get a little nervous with public speaking engagements, but one thing that was reassuring to me is I know that we have such a supportive congregation and so many friendly faces, so thank you. Um, so on the liturgical calendar, January 6th is Epiphany Day, or sometimes known as Three Kings Day. And the Sunday after Epiphany Day, which is today, January 7th, is usually the celebration of the baptism of Jesus. Um, I have decided um, to preach today on the readings from Epiphany Day from January 6th. And um, before we dive into the story of the wise men, I would just like to do a little bit of a recap and continuation of the history lesson that JP, that JP started last week. I know a lot of you might have been traveling um, and so might have missed that sermon, but JP started talking about uh, the tradition of Christmas tide or the 12 days of Christmas. And this is a tradition that goes back a long time to the early church and um, actually the second council of Tours in 567 AD was when the church um, at that time decided to make the 12 days of Christmas a sacred feast time. Now growing up in a Baptist church and like most of you, you know I've spent my adult life here at Ackland, and the, some of the liturgical feasts and the saints' days are a little foreign to me. Um, it's not something that we spend a lot of time talking about. We are not a tradition that venerates the saints, but still I think there's a lot that we can learn from um, traditions of churches uh, um, in the past. Um, and there's a very rich history. And I think when we learn more about that, we can understand where we are today and why we um, celebrate Christ the way we do. So um, JP started talking about some of the feast days that fall between December 25th and January 6th. So in Christmas tide or the 12 days of Christmas, December 25th was the first day of Christmas. And then St. Stephen's Day, also known as Boxing Day, was December 26th. There's also St. John the Evangelist Day, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, um, or Childer Mass, which marks the infanticide of Jewish children in the story just following the passage that we read. And it also recognizes those children as the first martyrs. There's also the Feast Day of St. Thomas Becket, the Feast of the Holy Family, New Year's Eve, and is also celebrated as the feast day of St. Sylvester, um, who was recognized as converting Constantine to Christianity. And then there's New Year's Day, also known as Octave Day, or as JP talked about, we recognize it as the eighth day or circumcision, um, or the day that Jesus would have been circumcised. Then there's also the feast of St. Basil of Caesarea, um, who was an early church father and known for fighting against some of the, um, you know, like Arianism. Um, and he was also known for establishing a hospital in what is now modern-day Turkey. There's also the feast of Gregory of Nazanius, who was a well-known theologian and philosopher of the early church. And then finally, the memorial of the holy name of Jesus is one of the last feast days. Now, there's another celebration which is known as Twelfth Night, which falls on the eve of January 5th. And this is a feast that goes back also a long time and was somewhat of a syncretic feast, meaning that it was kind of a combination of the Roman holiday um, of Saturnalia and also it, it involves some of the Germanic Yuletide traditions. Now, in Elizabethan England and into colonial times, 
um, one of the traditions of Twelfth Night was to bake a king's cake, which was a cake shaped like a ring. Some of you might have had it more like around the time of Mardi Gras. And at Twelfth Night festivals, um, when the cake was baked, there was a bean and a pea that were baked into the cake. And then when the cake was cut, the man who had the piece of cake with the bean was the king of Twelfth Night, and the woman who had the piece of cake with the pea was the queen of Twelfth Night. I don't know what happened if it worked out the other way. I don't know. <laughs> there weren't details on that, but... Um, but these monarchs were known as the monarchs of misrule, and their job was to make the rules for the Twelfth Night festivities. Now, when I brought this up, one of the things that Roxy said was like, oh, it's just like the king of Foursquare. So for kids or some of us adults who remember playing Foursquare, when you were the, the king of Foursquare, you got to make the rules. You get to make the rules for the game. And it was very similar. And depending on who was celebrating, it might have just been something as simple as changing the rules to the parlor games that they played. Um, or it might have meant a night of carousing and pranks. Um, so this is, this is what Twelfth Night was. Um, and one of the themes of the holiday was temporarily suspending the social order and rules of the time. So it was a subversion of the social, of the social order just for that one night. We also see this theme in Shakespeare's play, Twelfth Night, where the characters cross-dress and switch gender roles, the nobility become servants, and vice versa. And Shakespeare's story was set in a fantasy kingdom where the world is turned upside down. During the Reformation, Twelfth Night parties kind of fell out of favor. Um, they were disruptive and, um, and raucous and were dismissed as being more pagan than religious. But some of the traditions remain until the day of colonial, Amer colonial America. A few years ago, I attended a Twelfth Night event at Traveler's Rest, which is just around the corner from us, and most of you know it's John Overton's historic home. And during that night, they had decorated the house um, according to some of the traditions of the time and talked about how John Overton and his descendants might have celebrated the Christmastide. And one of the traditions that they might have followed, going along with the theme of subverting the order, was that on Twelfth Night, the servants, or most likely slaves in that house, mm -hmm. were allowed to walk through the front door. Twelfth Night is celebrated on the eve of Epiphany, or Three Kings Day. Now, Epiphany was a much more solemn and religious day and commemorates the Magi visiting the infant or toddler Jesus, and most of us are familiar with that story. Christians from across the ages recognize the significance of the story of the Magi as the revelation or epiphany of Jesus' deity, and that the king of the Jews came to, both, came to save both Jews and Gentiles. Now, in some traditions, instead of celebrating the three kings, they also celebrate, they instead celebrate the baptism of Jesus, which is another example of God revealing himself through Jesus. Some of the traditions of Three Kings Day that I thought were interesting were in Latin, in, Span in Spain and Latin American countries, they often have a parade of kings um, and walk through the street dressed up like the Magi. They also eat the king's cake, but instead of it being on Twelfth Night, they would eat it on Epiphany Day or Three Kings Day. And if you eat the piece of, if you get the, the piece of the cake with the ring, then your job is to make tamales for everybody on Candlemas Day, which is February 2nd. Um, another tradition that children in Latin America follow is they put their shoes out with hay in them for the horses of the Magi to eat uh, along their journey. Um, and then more in Eastern Orthodox traditions, 
as they're celebrating the baptism of Jesus, they often do a swim on, um, on January 6th on Epiphany Day. And one of the most famous Epiphany Day swims is in Russia, where monks um, plunge into the icy waters and swim out to, to basically to retrieve a cross that, that the priest casts cast out. Now, um, this, there's also a large Epiphany Day swim in Florida and in Australia, which it makes a little more sense to go swimming on Epiphany Day in, in those places. Um, so I just thought it was interesting to kind of go through and look at some different traditions that people follow. When I was doing some of my research, I came across a very kind of confusing story about the three kings. So according to medieval legend, um, so you know, in, in the story, in the passage in, Ma in Matthew, we don't have a lot of details about the wise men. There are a lot of things that we have assumed, like we've assumed that there were three of them because they brought three gifts. We assume that they were rich or kings um, because of the kinds of gifts that they brought and also because of the attention that they gathered when they came into Jerusalem. We can assume from the story that they were men of renown and that they were recognized as being um, wise and, and wealthy. Um, but there are a lot of things that we don't know. We don't know exactly where they came from. Um, and the early church fathers began to fill in some of these details and created kind of an extra biblical legend, which I thought was really interesting. So some of you may know that the wise men were given the names of Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. And the legend says that when the wise men left and returned to their country, in some versions of it, they were immediately converted to Christianity and built a church in India. And other versions say that later, Thomas the Apostle found the wise men and converted them at that time. But either way, the legend has that they lived in India. They all died on the same day and were buried in India. And then a few centuries later, St. Helena, who was the mother of Constantine, and also someone who is known for traveling across the world and, and retrieving relics, so pieces of the cross, um, bones of the martyrs, all of these things. She went on these um, adventures and excavations to retrieve different relics and bring them back to Europe. So one of the stories is, is that St. Helena found where the wise men were buried in India and brought their bones back to a church in Milan um, where they were buried. And as history goes, um, when the Milanese revolted against the Emperor Frederick Barbarossa, he dug up the bones of the wise men and reburied them in the Cologne Cathedral in Germany. And that is where they are today. So this is a little fantastical. I have to say that one of the things I like about reading some of the medieval stories is that I think they're so much more imaginative than we are about filling in the details. <laughs> um, but they have... Um, done some x-rays and some studies on the bones that are buried in Cologne, and they are the bones of a young man and a middle-aged man and an old man. And I think this just goes back to the point of the story of the three kings, which is Jesus came for all men, um, the Jews and the Gentiles, the young and the middle-aged and the old. And so that's kind of the point of that legend. Um, there is a logical progression from Twelfth Night to Epiphany, or Three Kings Day. The story, like all of the nativity passages, is embedded within the historical context of the Roman Empire. We are introduced to Herod, who is a petty tyrant, and his political maneuverings um, meant to maintain his power at all costs. We see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph once again as part of the conquered 
an oppressed class. They are insignificant and they were powerless. We saw that when they were called to, to go to Jerusalem um, by Caesar Augustus, they, they just had to follow, they had to go. They didn't have a choice in this matter. Um, baby Jesus in this passage is passive. He's not even old enough to know his own identity. And yet, these wise men who were revered and renowned and recognized as kings traveled not just days, but probably months or maybe years following the star. And they traveled across the continent to bow down at the feet of an infant or toddler and recognize him as king. They followed the star that symbolizes Jesus as the light of the world. And the common theme is this, Jesus's incarnation, the stories that we have of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus's birth, life, death, and resurrection subverted the order of the historical time in which he lived and ultimately of the whole world. Jesus came to turn the world upside down. Now, some of you who've watched Stranger Things know that there is the bad upside down. Um, Stranger Things upside down is a place of monsters and darkness and it's scary. And Jesus didn't bring that kind of upside down. Jesus brought the upside down that is really the right side up. Um, and it's an upside down that redeems the world. And the Magi, like Mary and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna, and like the shepherds tending their flocks, and later like the disciples, somehow they understood that and they got that message. And that is why they left their lives behind to follow the star and find Jesus. In our youth and children's classes, we are reading through the Gospel of Mark. We have read about Jesus choosing fishermen and eating with, choosing fishermen to be his companions and eating with tax collectors and sinners. He cast out demons, he healed the sick on the Sabbath, and he challenged the religious leaders of the day again and again. The other gospels tell us stories about Jesus turning over tables in the temple and taking the side of adulterers and prostitutes. In the Sermon on the Mount, he retold the religious rules of the day and reinterpreted them in a way that made it clear that the point is to love one another. He said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the poor. The epiphany that we still celebrate now is the revelation that Jesus was God. And in all of his godliness, he ended up being the king of the upside down or the king of misrule. Now, we as Christians and followers of Christ are called to be a part of the upside down kingdom, but it gets confusing. We know that the incarnation of Jesus was past and present and future. And we live in the present time where Jesus is incarnated in us and the church is the kingdom of God. But we know that we can't make it happen completely. We are seeing things in a mirror where the reflection is not perfect. Um, and we know that we can't we can't bring a utopian world where everything is perfect all the time. Um, and so it's, it's hard. It's hard to know how it is that we're supposed to live in the upside-down kingdom. Um, January 6th is also, January 6th, 2021, um, is a day when the mob attacked the U.S. Capitol. And Christian nationalism, along with people who followed other ideologies, fueled that attack. 
And so I think the question is, is that the kind of subversion of the order that Jesus meant for us to participate in? And I think we would all say that the answer to that is no. Um, but it can be hard to know how do we, how do we um, live in this world and bring the kingdom of God here um, in a way that follows Jesus's path. So most of you know that I've spent my nursing career caring for refugees and immigrants and the uninsured in Nashville. And I worked for many years for St. Thomas, and now I work for Salome Health. And a few weeks ago, I wrote just a brief um, piece about Twelfth Night along this same theme, and it went out as a Christmas letter. And in that piece, I talked about how we at Salome are always trying to find ways to open the front door for people who are outside of, um, who are uninsured who, or who can't access healthcare the same way that most of us can. And there are many others of us here at Acklin who try to do the same kind of thing, um, working with the homeless. Um, when we participate in Room in the Inn, that's a way I think that we open the front door and invite the marginalized in and give them a safe place to rest for the night. Um, Robbie in the prison ministry um, where they teach college classes to prisoners I think is another way that we open the front doors and reach out to the marginalized. And some of us in this congregation are recovering from addiction and that's another example of um, ways that we can participate in the upside-down kingdom by recognizing and encouraging those who have fallen outside the mainstream um, to find redemption in Christ. So the upside-down kingdom is sometimes a kingdom of just small and seemingly insignificant actions that we take. Um, things like small kindnesses, handing a few dollars to a homeless person, kind words, encouragement. But other times, I think Jesus did, does call us to, to stand up and speak out loud and clear against injustices in our world. And I don't, I'm not here to say exactly what that looks like for you, but I think that we are called to live our lives in such a way that we are always looking for glimpses of the kingdom of God and then also creating those opportunities so that other people can see the kingdom of God. So I challenge you this year to maybe do a handstand um, or hang upside down figuratively or literally if you can. I can't do handstands and I I'm always, Roxy's always trying to help me with those, but <laughs> it's hard to be upside down. It's uncomfortable. Um, it, but, you know, I think we can all learn a lot from looking at the world from a different perspective and seeing things from the eyes of people who live in the margins and then deciding who it is that you can open the front door for. So, I, I just want to leave you today with a reading from Philippians chapter 2. I'll give you a few minutes to turn there if you want to. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.
So I am a girl who loves a plan. Like, I, I love a plan. I used to think I could be really cool and just go with the flow and be that girl, and that is not who I am. I've, I'm, I'll be 45 in a couple weeks, and I, I am not lackadaisical, and I am not floating through life without a care. I have a plan, and I have an order. And I had a lot to do tomorrow because my husband is gone this weekend. He's being encouraged. Thank you, Justin. It's your fault that I'm alone this week, weekend, because my husband is being encouraged at the men's retreat, which is wonderful. But everything happened this weekend. Um, a birthday party. We got an, an exchange student, the wonderful Marie Louise, came yesterday. Um, Ellie had to have a birthday party. Um, we're down to one driver. I just, but so I had a plan. I knew what I, was, I had, I had it written down. Like if I have people coming for dinner, I have like times. This is when this goes in the oven. This is when it comes out. This is when it, it's, and it's on my fridge. And it's not pretty, but it's my plan. And yesterday I had a plan and it was a tight plan because um, Ellie had to be at her event at six, Marie Louise was getting here um, at four, so I was gonna go to the airport at three, get her, come home, get Ellie, drive her back out past the airport to the party, come home, be friendly, make dinner, then go back and get Ellie from the party and come back home. And then uh, the plane was delayed almost four hours. <laughs> and we got a phone call that someone had been in an accident and needed a ride because they didn't have a car and I got the phone call while I was at the airport, also finding out that the plane was delayed, first for 30 minutes, then for 45 minutes, then for an hour. Like, it just, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I drove around our new improved airport like four times because I went the wrong way multiple times. <laughs> so my plans don't always work. And there are times in my walk, in my faith, where I have a hard time with my belief sometimes because things don't seem to be going in any kind of plan that makes any sense to me. And it causes me to doubt and it causes me to question all the things. Even now after having committed my life to the Lord, you know, 30 something years ago, I still have my moments that are not pretty. But then I read verses like the first reading this morning in Isaiah. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I'm going to read parts of it again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. God has a plan. This was written way before Jesus, and it mirrors what happened. It foreshadows what happens so beautifully. He has a plan, and his plan includes us it includes gentiles it includes all people and that is amazing to me because he made it come to fruition and if he can have this so far before and then have it mirrored so beautifully in the birth of our savior and the incarnation of god as a as an infant if he can do that and he can do the then i can't help but believe that he also had a plan for me. This was for me too, and it was for you. It was so the curtain could be torn and we could sit with God in person so he could be with us. This meal, it's not really, like I'm always like, is it a meal? I don't know, I know it represents a meal, but this meal is to remind us that we are part of this plan. We are the why for what he did because of God's love and desire to walk with us, to restore 
Eden, and we're still waiting for the kingdom to come. We're waiting for eternity. But for now, God's plan includes us. And I imagine in my the, there's a verse in here when um, all assemble, it's verse 5, and your, your sons come from afar, your daughters are carried on the hip, and then it says, then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. And I just imagine when we are here together remembering Jesus, being united in that belief. We differ in lots of ways, but we are united in that core belief that Jesus is the Son of God, and he came to earth, and he died and was buried and was rose from the grave, and that that was for us, that the Lord looks down on us, and his, he is radiant. And his heart throbs and swells, and he is filled with joy looking at his children at this moment being together. So our plans are not perfect, but God's plan is perfect. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for thinking of us. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you so much for loving us so much for knowing us even when we didn't know you when we thank you for knowing that we would be here and providing a way for us to be with you be with us as we uh, partake as as a community and as a family and god we pray that it brings you joy we pray that our offering and our our hearts bring you joy and that we reflect your radiance and your love in this world. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your blood. Um, thanks for giving your life for us. Um, gave all for us. And we are so thankful for that. So a couple months ago or a few months ago, we started the first Sunday of every month passing a physical offering plate. Um, so we're going to pray for that offering. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessings you've given us. Um, we are a blessed congregation, and we have much we can give. You've blessed us with with so many talents and gifts and, and monetary things. Help us to give generously. Help us to give of our time um, as well. Help us to give with cheerful hearts. Please be with the leaders of this church as they determine um, the best use for these funds and help them to be used to further your kingdom and to, to bring your glory to this world.
I'm going to be reading from Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 12. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Pray with me. Lord, we come before you today so thankful that we can approach you with this freedom and confidence that Paul describes. Thank you for your son who makes this possible. Thank you for revealing yourself in him and for drawing us close to you as your children. May we seek to know Christ as the wise men did. May we seek to honor and worship Christ as the wise men did. Help us to walk with you this week. Help us to enter into your kingdom work of redemption wherever you have placed us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm loving all this feminine energy today. Um, Jennifer, thank you so much for a great sermon. Um, You are so smart. (laughs) Um, Just thank you for bringing your brain and spirit up here. It was amazing. Um, So for our announcements, let's see here. We got birthdays and anniversaries. We got Chris and Anna Church and Beth Conway. They are not here, so I will spare singing because I had two songs getting ready to sing for them, but I won't do that because they're not here. But happy anniversary and birthday to them. Um, We have the little pantry, so don't forget about them. And um, for the calendar coming up, we have a catered lunch next Sunday, so just let JP know. And then we have small group Um, A couple of weeks back to back, and then another catered lunch, and then another catered lunch. We like eating. Um, And then Winterfest, Winterfest is coming. Um, And then we got small groups back to back again, and then another catered lunch. And then the prayer retreat at St. Mary's, which I love. So I'm going to sign up for that one. I love that place. Um, And then the Ackland retreat is in April. So uh, coffee and donuts are downstairs. Have a good week. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.